Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode where we hear from Carla Winsey who together with her husband Al own and run Silchester Farm, an event and wedding venue based just outside Basingstoke. Carla and Al bought the farm in 2018 and spent a great deal of time, effort and love to transform it into a beautiful venue that reflects their values. The whole operation has also been built with a serious focus on sustainability. What's amazing is that both Carla and her husband come from a tech background. So the transition from that world into one of owning and running a farm and an events venue is clearly a big one. And I was interested to hear how they'd managed this process. I also wanted to know what it's like to base your home life and business life on the same piece of land. There are of course lots of other topics that Carla and I will discuss and do discuss during the course of the podcast. But overall, this is a great story about going with your gut taking the plunge and adapting as you grow towards success. Please enjoy the episode. Hi Carla, great to have you on the Evolved Succeed podcast. Really interested to get to know a bit more about you and Silchester Farm on, during the course of this conversation. We did actually host one of our Evolve uh, business uh, festival events with Basingstoke and Dean local authority at the farm didn't we recently so I've been there I've seen it and it's made me really intrigued Carla to find out a bit more so I suppose I should start you acquired the farms I understand it in 2018 how and why did that come about um it was I guess a little bit by chance that it came about but um my husband Al and I have the farm now and before we had the farm we um, both worked in IT and um, we'd always kind of done a little bit of doing up of properties and um, making them what we wanted and and really um, we were on the lookout for somewhere um, with a bit more land, hopefully a farm. We were hoping to um, run it probably more as a farm um, when we when we were initially looking. And um, yeah, we, we basically stumbled across Silchester Farm, to be honest. And the moment we walked in, we absolutely fell in love with every part of it. And not only with the way it was then, but with the potential that we could see for the place as well. So, and, um, and its location, the village was beautiful and somewhere where we'd never come to before, even though we only lived 10 minutes down the road before before we moved to Silchester Farm. So yeah, it was a real, a real chance encounter and um, one that we were delighted to have stumbled across, that's for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And it is a beautiful place. And I, I suppose the question there asks, you know, is kind of 
what there must have been this kind of baptism of fire then you know two two individuals from you know the it kind of background a corporate kind of background buying a farm i assume partly as you know your personal residence for you and your family but also with some business opportunities but can you remember that moment when you perhaps you know acquired the farm got the keys and that was it we're now running a farm and we're going to see what we can do with this kind of property yeah definitely and i think it was um it was really exciting to begin with i mean um we'd always wanted to um one have animals um so that was absolutely the first thing that we did we bought ourselves some pigs we brought our chickens with us and um we yeah we basically just wanted to wanted to live that more outdoor life but also when we'd looked around the property um the estate agent had mentioned the fact that the previous owners ran a few weddings here and there from which again set our minds in motion of oh well maybe that would be a really nice thing to carry on and, and build upon a little bit um al was still working at the time in in california startup tech companies and i was having a little hiatus as we had two young children i was actually pregnant with my third child at the time of moving into Silton farm so we were like oh maybe that's something that i could do just okay. um try hire maybe a few weddings yeah that would be nice and encourage people to the farm and and all that kind of thing and then um yeah so it was very exciting at that time as, and there was lots of different possibilities ahead of us so um yeah it was it was interesting but i do remember the one moment where we kind of started to run the weddings a little bit and then realized yeah. actually how popular it could be and where this could go <laughs> so yeah and that was um quite quite exciting as well really Fantastic. And we should probably, for the listeners, try and now put that in context because, you know, it is an amazing venue now, you know, an amazing wedding venue. Perhaps you, we could kind of explain to the listeners what you've done with it in that very short, you know, three, four year period and, and what, you know, the kind of proposition now consists of for weddings and how many weddings a year you're now hosting. Yeah, I mean, originally um, we had a, an idea of just doing a few weddings from um, the Hampshire Threshing Barn, which basically is the barn that sits at the centre of the farm, um, is around 400 years old, beautiful oak beams. Um, it's got a couple of adjoining buildings, which are quite open plan, hosting now, currently hosting um, a bar and um, some soft seating areas, basically for um, canapes and reception drinks. And the barn itself now holds... Um, the wedding ceremonies however at, at that time when we um when we first kind of launched we we polished it up we made it look pretty and we went through um all the plannings to actually make it formalized because um we didn't really know what the other options were so we we were like right we're just going to go for full planning permission on it without knowing really whether it would work or it wouldn't work um we went for it and and after some struggles um and a lot of money and a lot of time and effort <laughs> we, we finally managed to get there and um and yeah so that was the original proposition was just that barn and everything would happen within that barn so we'd have the dinner and the evening reception and and everything in there 
However, as we um, launched, unfortunately, the, the pandemic hit mm. and um, and things took a little bit of a, a backseat. But what, what, what we did have before that was some great information from people who came around looking at the venue because um, it was very popular right from the start. As soon as we put it out there, um, people did did flood in, to be honest, mm -hmm. way more than we expected. But the feedback was that um, it, it might be, or the concerns that people had was that it might be quite a tough turnaround for having the ceremony basically yeah. in one band, followed by the dinner, then followed by the evening celebrations. And it would have been um, a very um, challenging thing to have done, but it, absolutely we could have done it. We had um, some great advice from some great people and it, and it can be done and it is done by many other venues, but it did, um, it did set us thinking that's for sure as the pandemic hit. Okay. And then, and since you've opened a, a bigger barn now, haven't you, where you host the dinners and all of those kind of things? Yeah. So we turned um, one of our other larger agricultural barns into the dining and evening space, which allowed us one more more space, two allowed us to build in a much larger commercial kitchen, bar store, bigger bar, and it allowed us to farm more. Um, the building existed, so when I say purpose build it, I mean kind of um, create things within it that are far more focused and specific to what goes on in there. So, for example, we put a lot more insulation in. We designed things that gave us the functionality and the usability for the building um, with exactly what we wanted in mind, whereas the Hampshire Threshing Barn was very much untouched. Um, and it was probably less fit for purpose than we thought that it could be. That transition then also. So how's it been, you know, for you and Al running kind of a hospitality business compared to, I suppose, both of you have come from a services, a tech background. I mean, there's a complete difference in the approach to business, isn't it? And, and the way in which, you know, the front of house. And so how have you kind of adapted to running a hospitality business? It's, I've got to be honest, it's been a huge, steep learning curve yeah. because we came into the industry as well with the tech background, um, coming from California startups and Californian-based companies that really have a far more relaxed approach to, um, to the working environment. You know, it's all about um, the work-life balance and working from home and being mobile and on the go and being um, everything's based around technology and having it in the palm of your hand and not printing anything and and it's it's really um a forward thinking way of working and when we stepped into the hospitality industry we couldn't believe kind of really how backward it felt in comparison sort of archaic it felt yeah yeah definitely you know everyone printed everything and the way people spoke to each other was really bad and and it was just and the respect that people got for the long hours that they were working and the pay involved and and um yeah er everything about it was so so different so it's um, and when we first started we thought we could apply all the things that we learned in our corporate tech background 
into the hospitality industry and and we still we still do try and do that however we've learned that actually the reason the hospitality industry is like this is is for good reason actually and I think think there is definite journey that it needs to go on to to progress and to bring it kind of into a, a world where it fits the daily lives of people nowadays um however not all that theory that we learned in our past lives it definitely does not apply to this industry it's it's very very different and the people are very different and they're driven by very different things as well so that's been interesting definitely that's interesting isn't it is that i suppose though you must have put and still will put time and effort into getting the culture of the business right with some of those philosophies but yeah, yeah, sometimes you've got to accept that, that that is the industry and and that's the environment you're now in, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And it's we now, I suppose, look for more inspiration from um, forward-thinking hospitality businesses mm. rather than just our own experiences um, oh, okay. from the past. So, our some of our big um, inspirations are places like the Pig Hotel. Um, those kind of chains that really bring that more relaxed feel yeah so not everyone's in a a name badge and a black dress and 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 a suit and tie serving you in a certain way it's it's that far more relaxed feel which i guess is um more in line with the background that we have where people don't always turn up to their city jobs in suits and ties anymore things are far, far more less it's interesting isn't it because that applies to any industry isn't it and it's it's a good tip for those listening isn't it is that that piece around go and see what others in the industry are doing what best of breed are doing those that you would align with are doing and you know and don't copy what they're doing but learn from some of those things and sometimes that just makes you enables you to be a bit more braver than just following the tribe kind of thing yeah exactly and i think having that kind of inspiration and and really thinking about who you want to be and where you want to go and not just falling into the trap of um following those around you that's certainly that we something that we could have done very early on we have quite a few wedding venues typical wedding venues around us that are barn venues um and originally when customers were coming in they were the people that we were being pitched against. So they were looking around us and they were looking around maybe five other barn venues in the Hampshire, Berkshire area. They were comparing us on price and what we had on everything. And and what we really said right from the outset is that's great. They're the customers that are coming through our doors, but actually not to disrespect those other businesses, but they are not who we are or who we want to be. So therefore, we don't necessarily pitch ourselves against them. We pitch ourselves against companies that are probably not traditional wedding venues, some that are maybe not even in the hospitality sector. So it's it's really kind of pitching ourselves differently and staying true to that, because otherwise we could fall down the track of, well, we just want to take the customers. We just want to get the business in mm-hmm. and we'll just match their pricing or their style or their wording or anything else just to get the customers through the door. And that's something that we've focused on and really tried hard not to fall into that trap. 
it's really hard to do that, isn't it? To have that face, to have that confidence, to be brave and, and build the brand, I suppose, because you're coming from maybe a venue that, you know, done a few weddings during the course of, you know, of a year hiring out the space to, you know, you being a full service kind of provider now with some accommodation on site and all of those kind of things. So, but you need, when you're building that brand, you do need to be brave and be bold, don't you? And why do you think you've been able to do that? What's given you the confidence for you and Al to do that? Um, I think probably, um, ignorance a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That's an honest answer. Ignorance is bliss. I mean, you kind of think, well, this is who we want to be. This is who we're going to be. And, and that's how it is. There's no other option for us. Um, I think, you know, if it hadn't have worked, we'd have, we'd have looked at things differently, Mm. but we're very lucky that it has worked for us and what, our vision and what we like is what a lot of other people like as well. So, and that's really what all, what we've always tried to do is just kind of please ourselves and hope that it works for other people. And <laughs> um, because I know when we were looking for a wedding venue, for example, I was quite specific on what I wanted and what I didn't want in terms of the aesthetics. Um, I just wanted something relaxed. I didn't want round tables. I wanted square tables, for example, and. Yeah. Just little things like that, which we just applied to Silchester Farm. And then we realized, actually, it's what everyone else has been looking for as well. So, yeah, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> and I'm going to have to ask you, you know, you've got a great team there, but do they look at you sometimes and, and just kind of shake their head in wonder or do they Always. follow you? <laughs> do they... Crazy. I'm sure they think we're crazy um, because I'm. Um, yeah, because we're always moving forward. We're always looking for ways to improve. We never, ever sit still. So, you know, for example, when we developed the cow shed, which is the dining um, space that we have now, um, we developed it and within the same month of finishing it, we held our first event in it. So we felt like everyone else was like, oh, this is amazing. They came into it and they'd not seen it before. And they were saying, oh, this is incredible. We could never have imagined that this is what it was going to look like. But we were still kind of a little bit unhappy with it. And only recently have we got around to changing it again. And people were saying, why are you changing it? It it works. And yeah, but we know what we wanted it to be originally. We've not quite got there. And so we're always working on ways to um, to change things and to move forward and I think because as well of the um uh the the pandemic I think we really saw the way in which we needed to stay fresh and be able to adapt quickly and have that diversification within the business so for example we don't just do weddings we do a lot of a lot of other events and a mixture of dining events and things for the local village and community and charity things and which a lot of other wedding venues don't do because Mm. once you've got into the flow of weddings it becomes the easiest thing to do you know what you're doing and it's really kind of a good format to follow however those other events keep us really fresh and keep us moving and the team it's it's a challenge for the team it definitely is because 
they're quite a switch between styles always. <laughs> so the way we cater for a wedding on the bar or catering or service wise is very different to how we would do for a dining event or very different to how we do a market event or a music event. Or So it's, it, we're always keeping the team on their toes and they're often like, we don't we can't do that we can't do that we say you can come on we can do it let's do it (laughs) yeah exactly and and okay not not everything's a a full success but it's always worth trying because it it always gives us some learning points and some experience and that we can apply to to all areas of our business it's really interesting what you say about the farm and it being part of the community and and it kind of resonates with me because we've got this lovely old school building as evolves uh, offices and it you know it's it's part of the community and I, I'm when we took it on as our co-working space in our offices I was like well what else can we do to bring that building back into the community so you yeah. know there's Pilates yoga classes there's um, you know grammar school kind of teaching that takes place in there in the evenings you know for, for prepping for grammar schools we're going to do there's a Christmas fair taking place and it's really brought the building to life and I feel really proud that we've done that but it sounds like that's part of your ambition for some of the uses for the farm as well definitely that's I mean like I said earlier when we set foot on this farm it um we fell in love and and we just couldn't wait to bring it back to life Silchester Farm was um, owned by the Duke of Wellington a long time ago, and it was um, a huge pig farm and a huge employer for the local community. Um, We know that because a lot of people who come back say, oh, I used to work there, or my uncle used to work there, or my dad, or my granddad, and everyone has a story to tell us about Mm. what parts of the farm were what, and what did what, and what happened, and who owned it, and it's got such a huge history, and and the buildings that we have here are so beautiful. Um, a lot of them are quite understated, but a lot of them have some some beautiful features. So it was really important to to bring it back to life. And and some people, a lot of people, often walk past the farm when we first moved in and said, "I haven't seen the farm for years because there was there was higher fences. You know, there was private." private owners who like I say ran a ran a few weddings for the village were involved in the community and were absolutely lovely people um but it wasn't a main employer anymore not a lot of people visited the farm and we really feel proud that we've we have brought it back to life and people are very complimentary um about the way it looks now and and what it does add to the village and we're we're really keen for people to be able to come and visit the farm and see it and spend time here and bring back that nostalgia for them and and be able to talk about the stories and be able to tell us we're fascinated by what's what's happened at the farm previously so I do think it's important especially you know in this day and age where a lot of farms are being sold off for housing developments and Mm. and everything else I do think it's really important to protect the beautiful features um, of the countryside, the buildings, the the green spaces, everything else that we have, I think it's important and to give it a new lease of life because farming itself is is challenging without a doubt. And as farms grow smaller, as the land's sold off over the years, we currently have 24 acres, which is, it's really unsustainable as, as a farm. 
grow anything or to raise enough animals or um, to do anything that's um, fully in the farming world. It's just, it's unsustainable. So there has to be other uses for it. And we're very lucky that we have a lot of outbuildings that would um, that we can capitalize on, but would otherwise become totally out of use and dilapidated. Mm, definitely. So are you undertaking much farming on the land and is, and is that owl's focus? I mean, how do you split responsibilities between the two of you as husband and wife? I mean, it's it's um, it's always evolving. I'll say that. And and to be honest, we we don't do a huge amount of farming. So the animals that we have on our land are mainly our personal pets. Is probably a step too far, but they're, <laughs> they're ad- we love them, and they're and they're part of the the heart and soul of the farm. They're part of the feel of it. They're part of the genuine nature of it, and that's what we always want to keep. We got the pigs, as I say, when we first moved in as our moving in present, and we'd never eat them. They're named. We, we <laughs> have, and you know what? They're the mascots of our of our business. But we have a few sheep, which you, which we've started to go into breeding, and I think we'd like a few more pigs. And we've got our chickens that produce eggs that we're starting to put back into the food, and and we'd love a few more animals on the farm. And we have um, we do some hay production, um, but generally. Um, we work with um, a local farmer as well who grazes his um, animals on the land and takes the hay from our land, which is which is a nice way of doing it because it means that we don't have always all the hard work of, of managing the acreage that we have um, and the animals that could be on there. But we do get the pleasure of um, having the animals on the land um, and in return, we we do get some of the lambs that can go back into our food as well. Brilliant, yeah. And I suppose it's bringing that land back into use. Isn't it? And I, I I was just about to ask the question, which would, was quite a scary one, I think. From you know that transition from you know California tech businesses to hospitality is one thing, but to be, becoming fully fledged farmers is another step, isn't it? And I'm just, I just I was baffled at how how that maybe had been achieved. Um, so it is a business you do together. You do, I assume, live on the farm, live on site. You know, how's yeah. that been as a transition, you know, in terms of the children, the family, business being always there? How do you manage yeah. that as a family? It's definitely got its pros and cons, that's mm. for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, the children... I feel like they're very privileged to have the life that they do and the experiences that they have here on the farm, and um, both from the animal side and the space, but also the people that come here and the events that we put on and the things that they see. Um, but it is hard because anyone who owns their own company knows that because it's all on your shoulders, it's all consuming. The, the farm is as much a part of our life as, as anything that we have in our life, as each other. Everything revolves around the farm and what we do here and what we need to do. And, yeah. and um, it is very all-consuming. And, and it is very hard to draw the line sometimes between business and personal life, especially having the farmhouse here on the farm and, and living here um, it, it there's very um fluid boundaries <laughs> and and business and and for the children as well it's hard because they 
um, it's their home. They come home after school or at the weekends and they want to be in the garden screaming and jumping on their trampoline. And the kid, uh, the dogs want to be barking in the garden and running around and doing what they should be. And and um, and quite often it can be a bit stressful for me running around saying, shh, there's people here. <laughs> it's a wedding. There's a wedding ceremony. Yeah, there's people here. Don't be screaming and crying and fighting in the garden. <laughs> so, But that's part of normal life. And I think... You know, to begin with, um, for a lot of our customers, that was definitely part of the charm. They loved seeing the kids on the farm. They loved seeing the dogs. They loved seeing the free-range chickens. They loved it when sometimes our children ran after us when we were trying to talk customers and interrupted. And um, I think now, as the business has grown and developed and we're, you know, targeting a different kind of customer, that those attitudes are starting to change a little and so we're having to be a bit more, a bit more careful about that. Um, but generally, it's um, yeah, it's good fun. But I think it's something that we're definitely working on and developing on to try and give us that work-life balance. Yeah, it's that myth, isn't it? Or that that kind of the holy grail of work-life balance, which is difficult yeah. for any business owner, particularly in those early years and those times when you're growing the business and and really getting the ball rolling. But when you, yeah, it must be really difficult when you are kind of the threat of constantly being present and yes. on call must be, yeah, adds a completely different dimension to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I guess we're at that critical part of our business development as well. You know, we're still very early on in our journey. And so the the business is, is, a, is a baby still and we're having to put a lot of time and, and effort into it. And I guess the benefit of, being here on site is that we can still have that flexibility and um, to be able to jump in when we needed and give the business the attention we need but also be able to go and pick the children up from school and yeah be there for their school plays or concerts or anything that we need to be it's um you know it's it gives us the it gives us both worlds um, and yeah, but definitely. we are learning to balance it as you said, pros and cons, and, and, yeah. and probably pros and cons in equal measure. So yeah. need to touch on and want to touch on, as I said, you know, we came and hosted an event as part of the Basingstoke and Dean Business Festival at Silchester Farm, and it was a going green event. So the reason we chose Silchester Farm as the venue was not only it was a, a great venue, but the, your actual kind of significant measures you're doing yourselves in terms of green and sustainability. Um, so I just wonder, again, you know, for our listeners, perhaps you could touch on some of the significant sustainability measures that you've put in place on the farm and, and, and you know, on why you're doing that and the lessons you've learned along the way, Carla. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for us, it's always been important. Um, we've always wanted to respect the environment that we're in. And I think when we first started seeing weddings it was a real eye-opener as to how much was just thrown away after one event one day people were putting a lot of time and effort and money into things that could just be fully discarded at the end of the day so it was really important for us to offset from our point of view any impact because of course we can't really control what people want to do on their wedding days and what they want to buy and what they want to put on the tables and things. So, you know, really we can um, offer guidance and help and give them tips and things on how they can reduce um, waste. But really we thought we had to 
offset it. And and of course, the other reason for us implementing things is that um, these are old buildings that we're working with here at Silchester Farm. So you can imagine the huge bills that we have and have had in the past. Um, energy, heating, electricity, everything. So that that was really important to us too. So I think when we've been developing um, the buildings um, and the business, we've been really conscious of trying to put um, measures in place that that help us right from the start. It's, it's really hard to see the future, which has been really tricky because these are huge investments that we've made in our buildings. So we've had to think many, many years ahead as much as we yeah. possibly can. So long-term thinking rather than yeah, short-term yeah. possibility. So a big start for us was obviously the insulation. All the buildings needed a huge amount of insulation. They had basically nothing um, in most of the buildings. So that has been a big, a big step forward for us. It's hugely insulating everything from roofs to under the floors to walls to everywhere that we possibly can i think the other thing is that um the um the heating that we've put in we would have we've looked at so many alternative heating um options from biomass heaters to um what type of boilers to full electricity to solar panel Every, everything you can imagine we've looked at and weighed up the pros and cons and what we could afford at the time and what we had space for and what we could get planning for and time constraints and i've got to be honest right now we're we're still mainly on oil which is mm. um it's disappointing for us at this point in time but i think we would definitely like I say, we're always evolving, so we'd love to move on from the oil. But we have tried to put technology in place to to help us have more efficiency in the oil boilers that we use and the, the solutions that we have in place. So we've put things like underfloor heating in many of our buildings um, because it it is much more efficient. We've upgraded all the boilers on site and and added new boilers, which are far run far more efficiently than the old boilers that we had. Um, and we've really tried to um, reuse and recycle as much as we can as well. Um, put things in that we were not buying new, especially as we did a lot of development, again, during the pandemic when supplies were short, prices were high. Um, and the farm's been there for many, many years and had lots, we've, we've got a, a storage farm that's you know full of, everything off the farm that's been built up over many years and and originally we were like oh what we're going to do with all this junk but actually it's turned really into treasure um, yeah. and we reuse as much of it as we as we can around the farm um, that's definitely one thing that we we carry on with as well we've done a lot of um planting on the farm so um we work now with a, a, a spirits company who provide our spirits to our bar but on the back of that for every bottle that we buy um they plant a sapling tree and okay. so earlier in the year we had a lot of those saplings actually planted at the farm which has been wow. lovely to grow and i think we'll do another round of planting with them again at the back end of this year or maybe the beginning of next year we've also taken out as much of the 
like the concrete and the asbestos and the old farming stuff that's been here and replaced it with a lot of new hedging and planting and um and trees and and grass areas that also we can then use to forage on so we've planted like a lot of nut trees and fruit trees and things that we can then use in the future to put back into our food um here on the farm as well so um we've we've done lots really and we're continuing to grow with that um the bars completely plastic free and we we use the wheat straws, which I know we spoke about at the at the Going Green yep. event as well, which we're, we're proud of. And we did change our toilet roll, which sounds like such a small thing. But when we're in events business that runs seven days a week, we go through a lot of toilet roll. And it was <laughs> it's really important to us that even the smallest things become sustainable and just a bit more um, conscious, really. Yeah, no, definitely. What I loved about your approach was that the philosophy is that you're encouraging everybody in their own way, in their own teams and in their own departments to come up with the ideas. And it, it, it's something that's sort of ingrained into the philosophy of the business. And I suppose, is are you seeing it now? It's just an interesting C to C. Are you seeing a change from consumers when they come to view the venue talking about sustainability? Or is it something that you push and they then like? You know, is it is it a push or pull kind of effect? Um, both, I would say, definitely. I mean, we we're definitely seeing a shift in customers, um, the questions that they ask and the things that they're looking for. Mm. Um, so they will ask about waste and about the bar and about our sustainability measures. And there's there's things that we can do as well over and above. So they they kind of come to us and say, what what else can we do? Um, we do have a lot more suppliers as well that are very conscious about it so a lot of the florists um are changing their practices of how they how they do the floristry for instance the the water wells that they put their flowers into typically they weren't very eco-friendly and now they're they're using more natural materials um in their in their floristry work which is which is really important the other thing is that people are hiring more and buying less um they're swapping they're talking to each other you know there's a lot more online um communication between brides and grooms and mm. event planners and and even you know the corporate events market there's a lot more um people using pre-loved um, and pre-used items which is which is really nice to see so um i definitely think people are, are more conscious our customers are more conscious and and the more conscious they are the more conscious we are and, and vice versa really definitely it's some it's a circle isn't it that just you know drives that great activity and 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 and, and makes change happen i suppose um i've got to ask the question you're kind of four years into the journey um, where do you see the farm? You know, where do you now see things in five, ten years' time? Do you see yourself still living, owning the, you know, the farm and the and running the events business? What's next? I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're in this for the long haul. We've put so much effort into it. It's our absolute pride and joy, and our and our our love. Basically, we've 
we've put every penny of our own money we've put every minute of our own time it's it's absolutely um in our veins and in our it's in our dna now so we're we're in this for the long haul and but we never want to stand still i think it's great what we're doing now but we definitely want to evolve the business and i think it's important for the businesses future and the farm's future for us to continually move forward and keep diversifying a little bit keeping us fresh um and if covid has taught us anything it's that we can't just put all our eggs in one basket especially the wedding basket as Mm. you know it was kind of the forgotten industry during the pandemic yeah it was really challenging and and i think the way that um we should all be future-proofing ourselves is to make sure that we have that flexibility and that diversity. So definitely we've got plans to to change the business slightly um, and, and diversify, but also to bring more sustainable practices in and to, to change and develop that way as well. We'd love to become um, a B Corp company. That's a, that's yeah. a great aim for us. And, and as we um develop the team um and get a bit further down our line and and settled into how things run on a daily basis it will free up our time in order to to make those plans and and really work hard on those developments it is fantastic it's interesting that you mentioned the pandemic because from this conversation i you know it presented a little bit of an opportunity of you for you to pause develop and complete the refurbishment but others in your industry weren't so fortuitous were they as that and and you know I suppose like you say you've got to have your eyes wide open to those threats and and those things that could just come blindside us in business from time to time yeah exactly and I think the definitely the the wedding industry from what we've seen had become quite complacent you know they they could churn out the weddings day after day and and not need to to change much and I think not just the wedding industry, but I think that happened across a lot of industries and a lot of different businesses. And I think we we it's been a long time since we've had a big a big shock like this, either an economic shock or you know something of this scale to say actually you all need to be less complacent and to keep fresh and to keep putting your customers first and and thinking about how you can stay relevant and and how you can do what's best for for your customers, um, because um, you can't just take advantage anymore of of a, of a churn of a of a constant um, income. It's not that easy, and you've got to really be aware. And I think a lot of people now are aware that actually we do need to be a little bit more on our toes and and think about um, how we can how we can survive anything that comes along, not just a pandemic, but stuff that we could never imagine could come along. So yeah. 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 And I suppose just to, as we start to wrap up, I suppose that time you spent you and I spent in California running, you know, being part of the tech kind of industries where where that's constant change and constant development, nothing stands still for a minute. That must have helped you through that process, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. We come we come from um, a background where everything changes every single week, every single day. You've got to be running to keep up with it. So yeah, we're we're very used to that, and I guess that's why we've got this drive in us to keep moving mm-hmm. forward and to keep changing things. So 
Um, yeah, de definitely that's been a great influence and I think that's a, a great benefit for us having come from a different industry into this industry as well. Definitely. Right. Final question, always the question I end in on is this you know, question of success and personal success. So what does personal success mean to you, Carla? To be honest, I think it's definitely um, a feeling. So and, and I guess that's um, the, the woman in me <laughs> coming out of it there in that for me, it's all about happiness and contentment and the feeling inside. It's, you know, I could um, I could have everything in the world, but it would mean nothing without my family and I, and I could lose everything in the world except my family. So for me, like I just my personal success is to be happy and content. And that's, you know, that's not every day that that happens. And that's still something that we're all working towards. But that that for me is is true success when when you feel happy and content with life. Brilliant. What a beautiful definition of success. I love that. If people want to learn more about the farm, where you know want to hire it want to learn more and want to learn more about what's going on where can they go well we've got loads of information on the website now um we've been developing that so you can find loads of information about what we do um from our events to our sustainability efforts um to what we've got going on our instagram is a huge place for us too um, and we try and put as much as we can out there um, on, on all of our social media channels so that's really the best place to find out more about us Brilliant. I've loved our conversation. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been great. It's been broad. It's been wide ranging. And thank you for being a great guest, Carla, on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's, it's been really enjoyable and um, I feel very honoured. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.